every 10 or 15 years, a film is produced that is so overwhelming, so forceful in its impact, that it becomes deeply embedded in the mind. Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, guys? It's Boston comedian Dave Russo, and you're listening to Still Token with on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. What? What? <laughs> Tuesday. Wednesday. <laughs> Tuesday. I'm right, off the day. At least I'm you pushed the right buttons. Yeah, today, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> you okay, your day's you, all fucked up, but you got I, the right button, so that's yeah, good. No, they all <laughs> mesh together. So you're watching Still Token With. My name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a kick-ass show for you, as always. And uh, with us is uh, Sir Benjamin. I'm just glad that, you know, you didn't scare the guest away when you said Tuesday. And he went, oh, shit, wrong night. I got to go, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I'm super psyched about this show, man. Um, You know, we were supposed to have the show last month and, you know, Fred was getting pizza instead of being on the show. So, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But, you know. Pizza pizza rules, man. Pizza takes precedence. Don't you know that? Over us? Yeah, I would take pizza over us, too. Oh, yeah. hey, I take a freaking chicken roll over us. No, is that what you <laughs> Jeffrey, is that what you having tonight? Chicken rolls? I have no idea what we're having tonight. Okay, he'll he'll no. find out when we uh, finish the show, and he runs off and has his dinner. Right? <laughs> you know, sometimes I just don't know. I pretty much eat anything. Careful. Uh, so yeah, and no, I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, you know. I've, was looking forward to it a few weeks ago too, but I was let down, unfortunately. You know, um, but here we are. Let's bring him. <laughs> let's bring him in. Let's welcome James Duval. Oh, hey. uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to blame it on this. 
<laughs> you know, here, so I got a problem. Or shall I say, I don't have a problem anymore. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That Leo, was great. Ben, Jeff, it. thank you. Thank you again for having me, guys. It's great to be here. And uh, let me apologize to you and to everybody out there uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, I was, it was a bit of a stoner uh, thing. You know, uh, without having my alarm set, it did win in one ear and out with a puff of smoke. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Those things happen. You know, I, I'm just shocked that Ben and Jeff are still razzing you about it. You know, it's to you're totally <laughs> forgiven, especially if it was a stoner move, right? I'm just saying. Okay. I love it. Did he freeze on us? I think he froze. Uh, so uh, while we wait for him to pop on back, just a little heads up. Uh, James is going to be at the Houston Horror Film Festival. And uh, I yeah, read that. Ahead. There we go. There we go. Uh, so you're going to be in suit in Houston. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not the suit that I wore in the movie, but I'm curious to see which suit they brought for me. They um, yeah. were able to get uh, a <laughs> copy of the suit. Um, just hope it's so not latex. Trivia news for you guys. I mean, I haven't actually posted it yet, partly because I'm just so horrible at social media. But uh, coincidentally, it turns out that my friend Jack owned the suit that I wore in Donnie Darko and just donated it to the Academy Museum of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Oh, no oh, way. Nice. So nice. that is my suit, everybody, the screen-worn suit and mask. The only reason it looks taller is because it's standing on a plexiglass base. Um, but that will be available for everyone to see at the Academy Museum of Science uh, and Arts, of, uh, Motion Picture Science and Arts in Beverly Hills, I believe it's starting in the next month or two. And it should, I'm not sure how long the exhibit will be there, but I do know that we're replacing Spielberg's E.T. So kind of a big thing, I think, <laughs> for me anyway. Oh, wow. We got something better, something meatier. Wow, and we've interviewed some. ET. We've interviewed some of these people. Like we had D. Wallace on. I'm gonna have to see if yeah, he's she, okay with that. <laughs> yeah, she's just in a movie I just finished. I mean, we didn't have scenes together, but she was just in a movie that I just finished, uh, The Legend of Cat Claws Mountain. Like this sort of kids, oh, okay. goonies, like Goonies, cool. but of a pirate treasure. It's treasure they're looking for in the mountains. Very cool. Yeah, wow. nice adventure movie. Right. Yeah, hopefully I mean, that'll be out sometime. Next. Yeah, we'll see. It's out sometime next year. Sometimes I'll just pop up these movies that I that I just did, you know, only because I'm fortunate enough to work and you know I'm a bit of a whore, you know. I too I work for money, so I'll take what right. I, <laughs> <laughs> I will say I'm that um, it, right? I'm good at it. Right. I will yeah. say, did, did I think you're going to be one of my new best friends? Seeing how we were both born in September of 1972. Great year is a great right? month. Great year in '72, right? I mean, you're you're a couple of days older than me, but not much. So, I just well, I was you know, reading that I, earlier. You know, I, I like to say that um, where we're at is the it's the new '30s. I won't say any more more than that. But we're in the new '30s. The new '30s, yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like I'm in the old '70s. I was going to say, yeah. what the hell does that put me? <laughs> that just makes you old as dirt. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, I like I. I Forget about that sometimes when I'm out and, you know, I bring things up with people. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, when I did that back in 97 when uh, <clears throat> you were one. Never mind. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, you got your start, if my notes are correct, in what, 93? Well, the movie came out in 93, but I actually ended up doing my first movie in 91. Was it 91? And 
back then, you know, it wasn't digital. We were shooting on 16 millimeter and the director who was financing himself had to edit on a moviola, you know, splice the film by hand. So I remember even after we shot the film six months later, half the movie had still yet to be printed onto a negative so he could cut it. So it, it, you know, needless to say, probably took another year. We filmed it in 91, probably finished editing it in the end of 92, and then it finally came out in 93. So it was a very cool. When I started, yeah, when I started making movies, it was a long process between filming it and then it coming out until Independence Day. And then all of a sudden you film that, and then nine months later, it's in the movie theaters. Right, right, right. One of of your greatest achievements, Independence Day? Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm really proud of that movie. You know, I, I still remember reading, you know, because I, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. I had met Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin as their waiter. That's how really? I met. Oh, yeah. They came into my restaurant, and I remember he's, uh, they, they had, the restaurant were big supporters of mine, so they put a movie that I had done that played at the Sundance Film Festival that hadn't been released yet. And I remember she came in at the time, and she, she's this French woman, you know, full of, like, energy and pizzazz. Oh, Jimmy, we have these are two big American directors. They come to you, give you the table, and you can talk to them. But Jackie, Jackie, listen, I'm not here to smooth with the customers. And now I'm a waiter. So the only thing I'm concerned about is being the best waiter you got on the floor, even though I'm not the best waiter on the floor. That's my only concern. Honestly, you know, it's sort of coming from, a, like, a really – you know, hard blue collar working class background. Just you always do your best. Right. And so I remember sitting, going up and, you know, can I take your order? And then he's just, you know, they hey, you were in that movie on the door. And it was sort of, yeah, that's strange that you know that considering that movie hasn't come out yet. You know, and they just done start. And they told me, well, you know, we just, uh, we're at Sundance and we saw them and actually saw you movie. Sundance and thought you were great, and you know, are you still acting? <laughs> it's just sort of, is that you know, the Hollywood cliche? And I remember literally at the time, like, well, uh, yeah, can I take your order? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get any more stereotypical than that, right? And, um, they laughed, and you know, we kind of had a good laugh and sort of, you know, came friendly. And you know, over the course, you came back a couple times over the course of the you know, uh, December. And, you know, finally came up. So are you, you know, working on anything else? I'm like, well, I'm actually doing another movie, you know, with the same director that we finished. That's going to play at Sundance again next month. He's like, all right, well, maybe I'll see you there. And that movie ended up being this movie that I did with Rose McGowan called The Doom Generation, which is this insanely crazy movie. So I hadn't seen it at the time. And I remember watching it at the theater and going, well, I don't think that this is going to go well. Like, I'm very <laughs> proud of it, but it wasn't the kind of thing right. where, you know, I thought studio movies would open their arms to mm-hmm. actors like myself. So I remember walking down to do the Q&A and Roland turned and looked at me and he was there. And he sort of tapped at me, looked at me and he goes, Jimmy, oh my God, whoa, that movie, whoa. And all I thought was like, well, there he goes, that job. <laughs> <laughs> so you go and do the Q&A and then go back and I didn't see him again. And then go back to LA from Sundance Film Festival in Parks, Utah, and waitering. And all of a sudden, Dean and Roland are not coming back into the restaurant anymore. So I'm sure, like, oh well, you know, I mean, this is par for the course. I knew that I was making the sort of crazy movie that was going to push the boundaries, that possibly get banned or censored. Um, but sure enough, three weeks later, in come Roland and Dean. You know, oh, we were just in Mexico after Sundance and we decided to write. We came up with this great idea. 
called Independence Day about these spaceships coming. And actually, we were talking about it. And you'd be great for a part. Are you busy this summer? And that's how it unfolded well, for me. Wow. I, mean, I still had to audition for the part. And because I was right. shooting another movie with the director of Doom Generation called Nowhere, I almost locked out. And both directors who, you know, very fortunately for me, very good luck on my side, decided that they both wanted me to be not only in their movies, but in the other, like, the studio director liked that I was in this little crazy indie movie. And the indie director liked that I was going to be in this really huge studio movie. So they actually ended up working it out. So I would film one day, one week in L.A., take my earrings out, change the part, get on a plane, shoot for a week in Utah on Independence Day, change the part, put the earrings back and come back to L.A., film in L.A. And I did that subsequently for about a month. And then I wrapped the movie in L.A. Or Yeah. And then everything from Utah moved to the stages in LA. And then I finished Independence Day in Los Angeles. Wow. Talk so is Randy things. Quaid is as crazy as he appears to be? Not at all, actually. That was, see, that's, that's, that's yeah, I was wondering about that. it's almost like he became his character. For, okay. <laughs> he became, uh, yeah, he, be, uh, <laughs> he became, yeah, a, I was, I was about to say, cause he's done some YouTube videos that like he is, he is like out there. Yeah, you know, with those YouTube videos, I was like, well, he didn't used to be like that. He just used to pretend to be like that. You know, so I remember when I, you know, I loved working with him. He was like a great guy. And, you know, my experience, I've only had the best, you know, best memories with him. From working with right. him, like, Randy, do you have any great, you know, advice for young up and coming actors? Like, kid, work as much as you can. Take whatever they give you. <laughs> right. So Makes what sense. would you do as an actor? You know, I'm like, what, anything you would recommend? I read a lot of Neil Simon. I was like, oh. Ooh. Yeah, that's a uh, Neil Simon. <laughs> yeah, believe right. it to me that I ended up writing a script about, uh, and that, that got made. It didn't end up working out, but I wrote this script about ten years ago. And one of the was the funny, you know, coincidental uh, critique I got on it was like, uh, if Neil Simon had written Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the Neil Simon in there somewhere, carried over twenty years later. But that being said, you know, he was just a really great guy. I'd see him after work. You know, we were shooting in Wendover on the border of Utah, Nevada. So mm -hmm. you finish shooting in the desert and go in. You were staying in these casinos and Randy would just be playing craps. And then when you go back the next day, he had this book on like 10 best ways to learn how to beat craps. And he was determined he was going to win some money before we left Utah because <laughs> we were on the border of Nevada. And, you, right. know, I, you know, I thought he was really, I, thought, I actually thought he was really personable and really friendly and really. He was a really great guy. So even to the point where I didn't see him for about a year. And then we started doing the press tour for Independence Day. And we were in London. And then we were in Italy and Venice and in Germany. And everywhere we went. And he didn't go everywhere. Everywhere he went with us, whenever he'd pop up, I'd be like, Dad. And he'd look at me like, Jimmy. <laughs> That's Bill, awesome. Pullman, Bill Pullman was the same way. Even to this day, I could just say, Mr. President. And he looks at me and he goes, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> So you do, you know, you hear these crazy stories, but people make movies. But I gotta say, when we were making Independence Day, everybody, Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, Judd Hirsch, Vivica Fox, Mary McDonald, M Margaret Collins, everybody were class acts. They were so happy to be there, having such a good time playing pretend about aliens coming to Earth in the biggest sandbox you could ever dream of. So the right. base of Area 51. They built that life size where the Spruce Goose was built. So that's all. It, you know, if you were to show up on that mm -hmm. set, it took 10 minutes to walk from one side of it to the other. It was complete with elevators, a life size 
ship from Area 51, you know, the one that they steal and they fly up into the mothership? All yep. the real props that are life-size built in a hangar that they built the Spruce Goose airplane in. So the, the ceiling's 200 feet high. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the stages are, they're so immense, it's almost unfathomable. Wow. Wow. And, that's, you know, that's, so that's pretty much. Yeah, it was crazy to go from these little tiny indie movies. And since, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. You know, these right. days, if you're saying, which they are budget-wise, the Marvel movies are bigger, but they're shooting a lot of those on green screen. Yeah. Right, right. You know what I mean? And which is fine. Oh, yeah. Because yep. we were still shooting, you know, you had the stuff of green screen. Like, you know, for instance, when the people look behind and the fireball is coming and they start running and the crash, the cars are crashing on each other. Yeah. We had a huge green screen but the green screen was probably 50 like a movie screen 50 feet high 100 yep. feet across and then we had yep. maybe a dozen cars with 50 extras there and then we had cranes with cars hanging up above the screen that the cars on the cars in front of the green screen so right. it, the scale of it was just so immense so because you were limited by the technology you couldn't do it all cgi back Right, right, right. There's right. a certain magic in that. You kind of see, unfortunately, I don't think the stories are quite that, there anymore, but with the newer Star Wars stuff, they've gone back to using practical sets and, and things mm -hmm. large and whatnot. That's, that's, that's a great thing to see and experience, not just as an actor, but I think as an audience member, you can feel that. Right, right. Makes yeah, it more real. That, that being said, yeah. I love Marvel movies, so don't get me wrong. I'm not a guy who's like, oh, I think they're getting it. Those movies are great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's something that Sebastian Bach from Cheap Tricks said. When Independence Day came out, it was kind of a really huge hit. And Bill Maher had this big, you know, he's, he still had his talk show then. So this whole, whole thing of like, oh, forget Independence Day. Independence Day is no good. And Sebastian Bach from Cheap Tricks, like, in the simplest way possible, just, hey, look, man. Anyone who doesn't like that movie is a Scrooge, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Bill Maher, you know, he, he, he rags on even like Marvel, you know, it's just like. Yeah. Well, he was, he's good friends with Dean Devlin. So it was kind of like an entertainment thing. Like, he called up Dean later and was like, hey, Dean, I didn't mean, you know, I got a little carried away. You know, some of it is like, he's not nasty necessarily like that about everything, but it just happened to go that way. And Robert Loggia from the movie was there too so it was just really funny to see sebastian bach call him out like the most infantile way and it resonate more than anything else you're just a scrooge man <laughs> and everybody understood that it's like yeah we're not saying this is citizen kane here we're saying you go and have a great time forget about everything and then walk away feeling good you know if you can feel you know, at the time it was like you could blow up the white house and still feel patriotic you know you couldn't do that now no, <laughs> no it's crazy you'd be labeled some kind of radical or something it's just insane you know they'd put you in an insane asylum yeah so it was nice to do those be able to get away with things like that purely in the sense of like there's no statement we're just making art here we're just making entertainment right. Well, right. you know, and that, that, you know, even like, uh, you know, the president's speech and everything, you know, e even today, that is such a patriotic movie. You know, it's just it, it, I, it, I, everybody you know, watches it. Fourth of July, you know, it's just it, it's just an iconic movie. Well, I think right. I think it's really great because I know at one time they took a lot of heat when they were in Germany. Like, oh, they do this like this German man made this movie. And he's like, yeah, I made a movie. The leads are a black guy and a Jewish guy. Like, huh? Like, what are you? How am I? <laughs> <laughs> See, I just made, you know, I made Independence Day as this patriotic American movie, you know, and also his intention was not just that, but, you know, 
it was kind of like there is kind of a little a message in there and it doesn't bang you over the head but i think it's a great message that i can stand behind you know similar to the marvel movies about good being good and goodness and that's mm -hmm. in the sense of like independence day becomes not just a holiday to be patriotic for america but for everybody it right. becomes a, an independence day for everybody against a universal threat and it's like right. maybe that's what it would take for us to get along and band together and find common ground and that that's the great thing really more than as long as it wasn't meant to prep us for what's coming yeah <laughs> i remember you know almost embarrassingly so i remember when i would do interviews at the beginning of that they're like always asked so you believe in aliens and i was like why not and i have to say in a way even with all these things that have been seen in the sky i don't know if i believe in them anymore <laughs> I just think that yeah. I don't know what those things are, but I don't know if they're from outer space. Right. That's just taking a serious turn. Only because I think, <laughs> that, I, think <laughs> I remember when I was doing Donnie Darko, I'd get on these scientific tangents with you know Richard Kelly about what the movie meant. You know, the whole idea of like, well, of course, Rich, you know, there's an alternate dimension because the, they tore the fabric of space and time. And when you tear the fabric in space and time and you don't write it, of course, well, the whole thing's gonna implode and then all the universes are gone, right? And I remember him just looking at me. He goes, uh, "Sure, sure, Jimmy, whatever you say." Was <laughs> <laughs> like, "There's the action going on again, making their crazy backstories." <laughs> so you you've well, been blessed to play both sides of the spectrum. So Independence Day, and a lot of independent movies, such as Tales from the Other Side, which Tales is the, yeah, you know, Tales from the Other Side's my newest movie that I have out right now. Um, that, that movie, I gotta say, it's, it's a pleasant surprise actually, because, you know, and I'll tell you, it's kind of a funny story. So it's, it was directed by, uh, Lucas Hain, who directed this great movie, Mope, mm -hmm. um, about these guys who tried to make a porn, pornography movie that played at Sundance. And it was co-directed by the director of Kern's sack from Sushi Girl. And I don't know if you know Sushi Girl. Oh yeah. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. One of my favorite movies that I've done with all my favorite actors and so Courtney we went Palm's to, oh, she, yeah, she's yeah. she's a she's a, a power to contend with. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you did that. He's like, I'm right? live. I got to think about how I say this. <laughs> yeah, power to contend with, certainly. Um, you know, because you see, you know, without giving away for people who haven't seen Sushi Girl, it's chalk loaded full of dangerous people. Very dangerous people. And let's just say that the sushi girl might just very well be the most dangerous one of us all. And I at least leave it at that. I'll have to go we'll watch that. sushi girl. Really like well, movie. you should. And uh, I mean, Courtney Palm, it, it, you know, not spoiler, but being the sushi girl, she's, you know, naked throughout most of the movie. They're like eating sushi off of her. And I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in poor James Froze again. Yeah. It, it, it's an amazing movie, though. I, I highly recommend it. Well, we'll wait for my signal's getting in. wonky. There he is. There he is. Oh, there we go. You got me back? Yep. Yeah, so you know, so, so, you know, if you watch the extras of ED or Blu-ray of it, there's this great... Because she's naked through the whole movie. Let's just not beat around the bush, no pun intended. Uh, she's <laughs> naked through the whole movie. So there's this great scene that we shot in the beginning, when, which is her reveal, when she takes off the robe and you just see that she's nude. And they had made like this fake... It wasn't a penis, but it looked like a big fake dick, like 16 inches long. So they were doing take after take, and they did one take, and she just took it. 
And when they did the thing, like, okay, action, she let the robe go and she turned around. It was just like, wonk. And she just swung down. <laughs> and it's like, ah! <laughs> And if you watch the DVD, it's an extra blooper on there. Uh, all right, now Jeff's, Jeff's going to order the DVD. Yeah, yeah you got you to love Courtney because that was all Courtney's. Courtney just oh, did that. Like having fun while we're filming. Like, because it's a right. crazy dark film, as you, as you know. So, right. It was it was a really great experience, but needless to say, you know, it was, so that director contacted me, and he had this project that him and Lucas were directing—a little short film called Either, which is the segment that is appears in Tales from the Other Side. But right. nor him, him nor I, or Lucas, we didn't know. I, or I didn't know it was going to be part of an anthology film. I'm a big fan of anthology films. You know, I was lucky enough to be part of Tales of Halloween and big fan of Trick or Treat and a lot of the other yep. anthologies that have been coming out. Mm -hmm. And so when they originally, it was funny because they originally contacted me like, oh, we have these interviews for Tales from the Other Side. And I was like, when did I do something called Tales from the Other Side? And I was thinking like, I know all the movies I made last year. I made First Circle. I made Filthy. I made Amityville Karen. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, and I made Agador, but I don't remember making. And then it hit me. Oh, Either or, I bet, is a segment in an anthology. Yeah, it took me a minute to be like, I think you guys got the wrong actor, or somehow <laughs> where I just don't remember this one movie in my entire career. I just don't remember making this. So I, had, I got panicked for a minute. That that happened, happened. Back, I'm sorry? I was going to say, that reverts back to the opening of the show where he showed you the medical cannabis folks. He just didn't. He didn't remember making it. I just. I mean, I'll have to pardon myself. I didn't set my alarm. <laughs> um, well, uh, we do have the trailer for Tales from the Other Side. I'm going to play that uh, just real quick for Courtney Palm. Uh, have you seen Zombievers? I have seen. I was one of the okay. first people to see it. Seems you know, I was so proud of her when she did that because I'm like, she's going to take that movie and she's going to rock it, and she did. Yeah. How could you not see a movie called that? Zombievers. Well, that's what's so genius about it. And there is a movie right. called Zombievers, and it's great. Yes, it's it is. So, yep. Very original. Very original. Like, did you ever see that movie Rubber? That, that yes. From, oh, oh, like, God, that's, yeah. It's original like that. You're like, who ever thought of that? I never would have thought of that in a million years. <laughs> uh, well, wow. here we go. Here's uh, the trailer from Tales from the Other Side. That's been an eventful evening. No way. That's Scary Mary's house. Who's Scary Mary? She's the town's oldest secret. An old witch that never leaves her house. Oh, hello, sweeties. Every story you've ever heard has its roots in the occult. Do you know those kind of stories? Oh, I know all kinds of stories. Well now, what have we here?
Tales from the Other Side is out now, so definitely check it out. Great. Man. I just want to know, did they did they let you keep the straight jacket? No, I actually asked. Believe it or not, they had to rent. That was a real straight jacket they had to rent. <laughs> it was sort of like, you know, because as actors, we get excited. Some of us get eager and excited. So I remember being there like, oh, the jacket. Oh, do me. Do me. Do me. Because you can tie yourself up in that thing. You just get in there like, do me. Tie me. <laughs> All right, guys, this ain't fun anymore. Let me out. <laughs> like, ow, my shoulder. You guys, my shoulders. Is it supposed to feel like that? It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll you see know, you in an hour. It was, it was, it's it's really cool to be a part of that and to see that we got, like I said, to become a part of this uh anthology. Cause I I really love the you know that whole the whole foundation of the woman telling the story. And yeah. so mm-hmm. which brings us brings in our tale, you know, or the other tales. Because when I I didn't like I said, I didn't know it was gonna be part of an anthology. So for me it just kind of played like an episode of the Twilight Zone. Right, right. Which kind of I mean, in a way worked for exactly what we were doing. So it was a nice surprise to see that, you know. Right. It had great I mean, stories in it too. There were great oh, little stories. Yeah, I really, I, you know, because I hadn't seen it, and someone finally sent it to me a couple of weeks ago, and I was really, I was taken aback because, like I said, I just, you know, I didn't expect it. You know, I just did it and kind of forgot about it. Right. Right. And it's it's no, great. I mean, yeah, and then you're to be talking with you gentlemen about it or to do press about it later on. That's, that's where, you know, sort of what I was saying earlier, you have to try to forget about it. Yeah. You know, so when it kind of comes back, you're like, Oh, looks like that. It worked. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I would say it definitely worked. Be I've watched it quite a few times um, for multiple reasons, of course, you know, because I had to refresh myself having you on the show. Um, we watched it. When we, had Ver- we had, we uh, had Vernon Wells on the show a few weeks back regarding I the same love, thing. I Vernon Wells, huge fan of his. For, for like, yeah, yeah, he 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 was a great guy. Um, you know, and I and I enjoyed it. So I'm going to say to everybody that's watching, listening, or any of the two hundred thousand people that watch this later, um, yeah, definitely go check that movie out. I mean, you you will not be disappointed. Well, what I like about like the show, the anthologies and stuff is that you know it's like a 15, 20 minute thing, then you can take a fucking break. That's why like. you know what I mean. Right. You can go Phone take a break without pause. You know what I mean. Well, it's um, also the thing that's what, that's what I liked about the original Twilight Zones. I mean, I, I like the newer ones too, but I I don't think they hold a candle to the old ones in the sense that no. it takes too long to tell that story. Twilight Zone is a creepy thing. It should just open up, smacking you in the face, then smack you in the face and then leave you after 20 minutes and you're just kind of sitting there the whole time like what just happened like if you i mean i'm sure everybody here remembers it so a perfect oh, yeah. example is like the grandpa who's dying and he's got to leave all his money to his kids but they're just rotten kids and so he makes them all wear masks reminiscent of their true personality while he wears death and all they have to do is keep those masks on until midnight and then they can take it off and midnight strikes and him with the death mask dies so he takes the death mask off, but he's dead. Then they take all their masks off and their faces have turned into the grotesque personalities that they really are. And they're now they've got his money, but they're trapped like that forever. Right. And Those are some me. of the best stories ever written. Uh-huh. Some yeah. of the best stories ever written. You know, like, I'm talking Tina and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> That's like free Chucky, you know? Uh-huh. Right. Chucky by so, so many, so many... Um, People went on to become stars out of out of all those too. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. Everyone, I, I mean, the who's who from Burgess Meredith to William Shatner. 
to yep. um, oh god, I, I always forget his name, but he's such a huge staple in all the the old forties and fifties movies. He's like the kind of bigger guy with the southern accent, and there's uh. He's got a very specific name. I can't think of it right now. But his episode is where he always tells people these grandiose stories that, of course, are not true. And he ends up really getting kidnapped by space aliens, and then they drop him off. And everybody actually sort of missed him because he disappears. And then when he comes back, he starts telling them, oh, and I got picked up by this flying saucer and these aliens, and they look like this. And everyone's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, we're just happy. Uh-huh. They don't believe him at all at the end. <laughs> right. But he really got kidnapped in that episode. I still watch those every New Year's. Right. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, <laughs> I'm actually, I've been writing and working on a series that's based on the Twilight Zone. Since they've redone the Twilight Zone. He went wonky. Pros. Yeah, he's having he's having wonky issues with the internet tonight. So, yeah, well, he'll unfreeze in a minute. Yeah, yeah. we'll give we'll give him a second. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, go check. Oh, out, now uh, there he is. There we go. You guys are back. He's back. I don't know what's going on. You know what it is. L.A. is what it is. Because I remember calling up AT and T one ago. I'm having a lot of problems with my phone. You, you know, I I'm, yeah, I live in the city. Why do I always have one bar? She's like, where do you live? I'm like, Hollywood. And she's like, well, honey, I hate to say this, but get used to this because that ain't never going to change. That's what she said to me. Verbatim. She's like, you know how many people were on AT&T and more and more people every day. It's like trying to flush an ocean through a straw. Well, they, need, they need to make bigger straws. That's why you pay them all the money, you know? Yeah, I'm like, hey, why don't you use a bunch use a water pipe like the rest of everyone else? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, that's somebody sitting in a room. Take a break. Give the signal to yeah, this dude. Uh, Take a break. Give the signal to that dude. Well, my suggestion would be move out of Hollywood. I am. I'm looking at that actually. That's I've been <laughs> actually looking at. I was about to leave it in the pandemic hit. You know. And now all you the gotta find yourself. Find yourself a nice ranch in the middle of nowhere, you know? Well, I think, to be honest, I'm probably going to move it, which is still temporary, but after this, I'm going to move to a place called Redondo Beach. Mm -hmm. I'd live there, you know, for as a temporary move for now, because I haven't figured out where to go past there. But uh, one, it's outside of the city. But two, when we're 90 degrees, they're about 74, 73. So it's about 20, 25 degrees cooler than here, even though it's only about 15 miles away. Yeah, it's outside right. of the city, you know, so you have everything you need, but you're still removed from it to some degree. Uh, that's the first tent move anyway. But the reason I'm doing that is only because, as everyone can see, all the prices are artificially inflated. So no matter where right. you're looking, it's not worth paying those prices. Right. And those right, prices, right. I guarantee, will be down in the next six months. So I'm just biding my time. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, up here, they've started to come down a little bit. And I hear uh, Canada's really uh, starting to see a crash as well. But like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I think, I think Can- Canada for American citizens is a very difficult place to <laughs> move into. You know, with all the international traveling I've done, you know, I can say that the nastiest customs people that I've ever dealt with are Canadian. They are mm-hmm. not nice at the border at all. They never have been. They never have been. They tried to take, I was traveling with my Frank the Bunny mask from, you know, one show to another. And I brought it to England and it wasn't a problem. And when I flew from England to Toronto, because I had, the stand had like a stick or a pipe that the mask sat on, they, they took it and wouldn't let me keep like, 
I couldn't even display my mask when I went to Canada because they took the stand away. Oh, well, wow. that's just being an asshole. Yeah. They, well, they knew. They're like, well, I'm like, this is for my mask. I'm an actor. This is my movie. I'm going to promote a movie. I'm going to promote doing promotion. And they go, well, you're going to go promote it without this. We've seen all your movies, Mr. Funny Man. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't like you. Or you, we don't like you, and you're not getting your stick back. No. <laughs> it's like this. So I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you, you, uh, uh, you know, because you're about Ben's age. So in about ten or fifteen years from now, you looking forward to being able to play the creepy old guy? <laughs> I am actually. I mean, I think I played a creepy, well, creepy older dude, anyways, recently, which was a lot of fun. Because I think you'd be great at it. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm a pretty good creepy dude creepy older dude i mean i think at this point i've earned the right you know if i put yes. in those years you put in those years you should get something back in return <laughs> right right you know like the like the tall man from phantasm or something you know <laughs> oh god yeah scrim uh, love yeah. that guy god rest yeah. his soul god rest his soul yeah i mean I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm he can't be too old though because you said it's the new 30s right well yes well then it will be the new 40s by the <laughs> I'm already into my new 40s. I'm just trying to figure one thing out. I mean, we literally exactly what I'm saying. James and I are literally the exact same age. He's got me by yeah, about 1972. Yeah, I, I was born It's called Yeah, die. I was gonna say, how the hell do you look so good? I mean, I mean, I know I'm married with kids. Well, I think, well, I mean, I think yeah, you can I'm I'm like definitely going like salt and pepper here. And you can see that I'm shaved because if I don't shave, I look like uh, Ben, uh, <laughs> like me. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe, probably a little bit better than me. But um, I, I keep these people. I keep slipping their 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 name just escapes me. He's like this big talk it's okay. show. It's okay because be the show's about you, John Stewart. Oh, I can't remember, oh, but maybe, he had yeah. dark hair. And when they showed him with a beard, it was all silver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name, though. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now, but that's basically why I'm shaved, clean shaven. Because if I'm not, I have, it's more than 50, 50 salt in my beard. So when I, you know, it's because when people see that, like, oh, you dye your hair, I'm like, I know, just it all is going here and then it's slowly coming up like this, slowly oh, creeping. That, that you know, thankfully the lighting's not so good, so it makes it look pretty solid black, but it's definitely salt <laughs> pepper on the side, too. Yes. Did you I see that say, my, mine all started here, salt and pepper, and just kind of migrated. Oh, so it did yeah. So mine started here, and it's coming. It's going. It's going this way. And I think you can see like starting in my sideburns a little bit, but it all just yeah. Mine started right here, and it just went like this. <laughs> okay, yeah. So mine's doing the opposite, starting here, and it's going going up. Like it's all, all by right. or two. <laughs> <laughs> See, we, you never know where, we're going, where this show's yeah. going to go. Yeah. You never right. know. My wife uh, tried that just for men uh, in uh, for my hair, and it just it doesn't last long enough, you know. Yeah, it's supposed to be. I've yeah. never. I've I've looked at it and I've thought about getting it, but I have not. You know, I haven't used it yet. But I, you yeah. know, I know that. Well, that pond uh, is a question. Do redheads go gray? I know. We go, we go white. Oh, you go white. White. You go like, white. Like my okay. my beards is uh, going white. Okay. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not clean shaven, so I'm pretty sure you can probably, uh, maybe not because of the. No, it's too bright, but you can see I have so, a lot of gray here. It's like fifty percent gray. All right, so redheads don't get salt and pepper. Redheads get cinnamon and sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people get all the luck. 
it's, it's because we don't have any souls. There's nothing to like leak yeah, out. Yeah, I was waiting color. for that. <laughs> <laughs> so th that wow. brings us to, I, I know Jeff has questions for you because he told me that he had some stuff he was interested in talking to you about. You've played, like I said, Hollywood, indie, but you've also had the pleasure of being in music videos. Yeah. I'm in, so, I'm in a music video right now that's kind of a short movie on Shudder. Really? Yeah, I forgot. I to, didn't even know that. Well, I became friends with this band that I'm a really. I was that my. I did a movie a few years back called Beast Mode with C. Thomas Howell. Okay. The producer has great taste in music, and he's always sending me new music. And he sent me this band called Boy Harsher, and I just attached to them right away. Um, and. It was it was it's sort of a strange thing. I was listening to them a lot. I was turning other filmmakers and people onto their music, and I remember at one point, and I, I, not that I believe in this kind of weird stuff, but I kind of manifested it. I remember saying to a friend of mine, "I'm like, I really love this band. I wish they would just contact me and ask me to be in their video, and I would do it." And then right after that, for some reason, I just went and bought a couple of their albums that I didn't have because I only had the one album that my friend turned me onto. And then all of a sudden, on Twitter, they contacted me and go. We have this new album, and we're making this video movie, and we're wondering, we're huge fans if you want to be a part of it. Oh, nice. <laughs> so really... literally after I kind of just said that, a week later, I got this message on Twitter, so I contacted them right away, and I ended up getting involved with that band, uh, Boy Harsher, on the, their new movie, which is also an sh uh, album called The Runner, which is available on Shutter TV right now. Oh, cool. You heard it here first, folks. You know, but no, I actually was going way back because you were involved with uh, Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. So that I did my first movie, and then I went up to the house that doesn't exist anymore to work with Trent Reznor, uh, his producer Peter Christopherson, who he's working with at the time, for a a video album for the second release called Broken, which was banned by the record company because it's pretty extreme. But yeah. I went up there yeah. and did you know a lot of voiceovers for for the course of an afternoon which was quite an experience to be hanging out where they were recording some of the downward spiral, you know, is right. one of the best and most famous infamous albums. And yeah, it was, it wasn't until the end of the day. Cause I was playing a guy who was getting his teeth pulled out and being skinned alive mm -hmm. and gasoline poured down his throat. He's just being tortured alive basically. And right. then at the end of the day, they were just so, you know, they just sort of, as a matter of fact, so Jimmy, you know, uh, how does it feel to be doing that in the house that the Tates murdered the Manson? I mean, the Manson murdered the Tate, Tates, and you're just sort of like, would you like to stay for dinner? I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, look at, yeah, look at the time. I wish I <laughs> got to go. Sorry, guys. So, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I was 19. It was pretty creepy. It could creep me out. So I ran, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, come pick me up right now. And... I've been tricking myself in the ass ever since to this day. Like, I should have just stayed. I would have been, I would have probably become, you know, because Trent was really such a personally nice guy. And Peter right. Christensen, who doesn't, he's not alive anymore, but his producer was a really great guy too. He was friends with the first filmmaker I worked with. And, you know, I scuttled probably a, would, could have been a great relationship. You know, right, some of right. it was, a lot of it, I, you know, I'm going to blame youth and, you know, insecurity <laughs> and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I was so kind of just starstruck to be around Trent Reznor. It's like I was kind of, duh, duh, duh. I, I didn't know what to say. As to where yeah. now, you know, I'm certainly, I could be starstruck and I can have, but I can, can overcome that, you know, and I can have, right. and I right. understand that they're just people that have done something I admire. But I was just right. so young at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't break out of my shell. And that, you know, I, I was a little creeped out by the, 
<laughs> he recorded that Manson's way murdered Sharon Tay. You know what I mean? That whole thing he because he wanted to conjure this dark energy into the album. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a freaky movie too. Wolves at the Door that came out uh, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you know, so, so um, you're a musician too, right? Yeah, uh, I've got a couple guitars and a bass there, and my twelve string right behind me. I play pretty much every day. You play the piano as well, right? Or you used to? Yeah, I got a keyboard right over there. <laughs> so this okay. is like wardrobe. It's like a recording, and it's like a bunch of wardrobe. Kind of see, so you can kind of see like there's all the wardrobe there. There's the bunny mask. Where is he? Behind the TV, there's the Frank. The oh, bunny. there he is. Um, boxes and scripts and books. So this is kind of just like a workroom, basically that we use to for acting and music and whatnot. Right. Nice. So. Now, do you do you uh, do you perform out at all, or is it more for? Uh, I have it in your, probably yourself. ten years, but I used okay. to a lot i played in a few different bands and just to kind of it was nice to be able to join in on a band and then when people would come up and be like hey i'm just a guitar player you got to talk to that guy <laughs> no mm -hmm. responsibilities as an entertainer uh really like that but um nice yeah i stopped playing out about 10 years ago just uh you know playing out in la is a precarious thing anyway you know play mm -hmm. There used to be these pretty good music scene where you could go to this bar, a couple bars, and there was live music every night. You didn't pay a cover to come in, and all the musicians talked to each other. We all played together, and somehow the support for music has just not – it's been lackluster here. So all those places that supported live music and whatnot, especially since the pandemic, hey, they're gone. Mm. All right. Over. Right. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Although, you know, I'm glad you said that because tonight I'm actually going – one of the gentlemen I used to see play all the time – Who's incredible, named Foster Timms, kind of a modern day Bob Dylan, Tom Hitzish kind of guy. Uh, he's playing tonight, and there's a group of uh, I have another friend who I haven't hung out with since before the pandemic, and we're actually going to go down and watch his show tonight in a bar, free, no cover. So, kind of hoping for a little bit of the same energy that we missed in the last couple of years. Yeah, you can't beat that. Yeah, and who knows? He might call one of us up. You know, both of us up to do a song or two, which we will. We'll do that if it calls us that. And in today's day and age, we'll see that on YouTube in about three days. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it'll be right. it'll be on it'll be on TikTok tonight, though. Yeah, <laughs> I still that I'm I'm really kind of amazed. That's where I know, like, I am becoming that old guy because I really can't keep up with that stuff. TikTok and no, nope. you know, it's like now nah, I'm like, it's just, it's it's very bizarre to me the whole thing. Right. You, you I know, mean, I'm, on tic, I'm on TikTok, but I don't do anything with it other than to look at shit. Yeah, you well, you know, I mean, the thing, the thing as an actor in the '90s was, uh, you know, after especially after Independence Day, you get that speech, and it's like, all right, Jimmy, well, you know, this is a big movie, and a lot of people are going to see this, so you're going to be, everyone's going to see you, and look at you, you cannot fuck up, you can't be doing drugs, you can't be doing it because you will destroy your career. Everybody's watching you. You need to be responsible, and you need to be healthy. Because if you're not, the whole world's going to watch you crumble. And it was sort of, that right. was a wake-up call. It's like, he's right about that. Right. You know, so since then, you know, it was sort of like, well, I don't, I need to keep my business, my personal life and my business life separate. And I need to keep my personal life private. So as mm -hmm. to where I always kept my, on purpose, keeping your private life private, for social mm -hmm. media to start being like, this is who I'm at. This is who I'm with. 
this is what I'm eating. This is what I'm wearing. This is where I was. This is where I am. This is where I'm going. That's that's too much for me. Right, right, right. Not that it's a secret. If I know you, you'll know those things. But that's not for me to post on a bulletin board for the whole world. The world don't give a shit. The world don't give a shit. We don't give a shit. I don't. Yeah, and I don't want. I, I give a shit enough that I don't want anyone to just know that. You have to be my what? friend to know that. You have to earn that information. That's not just yeah. that oh, free. that that's oh, why he didn't. That's why he didn't tell us where he was getting the pizza. We're not his friends <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, that that's okay. It's West Coast pizza anyway. So well, yeah, that's true. You're not miss, you're not missing out on anything here. But you're I am going to say, you know. That line is probably one of my favorite lines from that movie, which was gone in 60 seconds. You which, know, I was crazy. you don't know, have that scene ended up getting ad libbed, like people got to eat and that. Like, I made that up because it be, they, they ad libbed that stuff, it wasn't in there like that, it wasn't written that way. It's like they were all real riffing on each other, so it was like, like perfect. What Gilligan do? And it's supposed to be like he just well, that's what it was. What's, what's he doing? It's like he orders pizzas and there's no dialogue after that, and then it's right. like. Then we just became the thing. It's like, so what's Gilligan over there? And I'm like, Gilligan, what? And it's like, he orders pizza. I'm like, what? Hey, we need to. Hey, people got to eat, right? <laughs> you got to try to justify that. You know, you're not going to make right. me an ass without a good reason to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only a dumbass because I got a good reason to be a dumbass. <laughs> people got to eat. <laughs> oh, crap. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've just done so many amazing things, so many amazing people, you know. Um, you've well, you got... know I'm, I'm lucky. I'm really lucky to work with a lot of the people I work with. You know, so Gone in 60 Seconds, for instance, the guy who plays my partner, Shy McBride, who also yeah. is the captain on. So when I went and did Hawaii Five-0 10 years later, Scotty Khan, mm-hmm. who's also, you know, James Khan's son, who's also yep. in, and that was in Hawaii Five-0. And Shy McBride is now the chief on Hawaii Five O. So when I went to go visit them, it was literally a Gone in sixty seconds reunion. But I can tell you that Shy McBride, for instance, like for in- we had something written in the script where there was no dialogue. It's when I drop off Shy's character and we're all at the racetrack and they got the laser cut keys and they're about to steal the cars and then they get the call. It's a setup. Walk away and everybody's so there's no dialogue written. It just says I could say there's a setup, walk away and he's supposed to look around, hang up, and walk away but not Shy McBride. And this is where you learn what true great acting is. And this is a small example of it. But so we're doing the scene and it was like, all right, it's a, it's, you know, and I'm off camera. I'm like, it's a setup, walk away. And Shy's at the door and he just goes like this. He goes, my wife's having a baby. This ain't my car. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's not, I never would have thought of that in a million. You're like, there's nothing written there. Guys, like my wife's like, this ain't my car. (laughs) (laughs) And he would always do something like that where you just didn't know, you know, wasn't scripted. You didn't know what you were going to get. And it's almost always magic because that's the stuff that appears in the movie. Like when the guy tries to rob us after we steal the car and then he knocks the kid out. He's like, you need a role model. (laughs) 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 This is just ripping off the you know, and there's a great joy to be with top tier mm-hmm. actors like that to just go for it. Right. So, I mean, one thing that I, I I was really like one of the funnest things I've done in my career that it's you know you wouldn't know if I wouldn't have told you all you know. So if you remember Gone in Six Seconds, you remember that Robert Duvall has to call, make all these calls to try to get a lot of the old people back in the game. Yep. 
And a lot of them have all these problems where they can't join us. But when we filmed it, of course, you know, none of those people are there that day. So I ad-libbed all the phone conversations with Robert Duvall that day. Like, insulting really? Pissing up, I was like, where he's like, oh, you goddamn it, you must fuck get my fucking hands on you. You know, <laughs> I mean, he knew and he loved it, but he loved that we just, I started riffing and we just started playing with it. And we just went completely off book, off off page. And, you know, it's, it's, to be doing something like that with Robert Duvall, for me, that's what everything is all about. Right. That's what it's all about. You know, and, Magic. and when, now that I, when I tell you, when I, I really recall and look back and remember, not only is one of my favorite people, I've, and I've worked with some wonderful people, but he's he's definitely like one of the best I've ever worked with, and it's effortless for him. And he's mm. a really incredible guy to work with, through and through, a hardworking professional. So when you you see so many actors on screen, you know when you're watching Gone in sixty seconds, so you can imagine if the camera's sitting here, if any of us are standing in front of each other, we stack each other. You know what I mean? So yep. if I'm here, let me see it. So if I'm here. And then someone comes like this, they cover me. So you have to learn to stagger. Everyone has to be staggered like this so we can all appear on camera. And so we yep. do it, and then they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so is stacking. You guys are stacking up. And then I remembered, you know, one of the first things I ever learned in acting school when I was, you know, eight, 17, 18, is they teach you to find the lens. If the lens doesn't see you, if you don't see the lens, it doesn't see you. So in all right. those stacking scenes, you would just see people stack, and then you'd see me go, do what jimmy does do what jimmy does and so what i started to notice is that at the time he, he would we'd do a shot and then they would show playback so everyone could see where they were standing and bob duvall kid call me bob never watched the playbacks so i went up to him and you would always see me he's always just sitting there working on his lines and he knows it but he's because maybe that hundredth time or that hundred fifty time you discover something you didn't discover before so you're just always working it, always working it, always working it. And that was eye-opening, a big learning experience for me to, that I carry with me today. To always play with, you know, the material that even if you know it, mm. like play with over and over and over again, because you, you never know. Maybe you won't get something, but you'll still get a great performance out of it. Or maybe you'll get, right. you know, Christopher Walken calls those happy accidents. And then you do something and never happy meant to accidents. Do. Happy accidents. Yeah. That's what my parents said I was. <laughs> something else we all have in common <laughs> but Ben did they actually use the word happy no no, it was, just, no, it, was, yeah. it, was just no. it was just accident yeah, my, I, I think my parents were a bit disappointed I was born they flipped me over like oh twins oh wait that is ass hold on <laughs> <laughs> twins. oh no he's just got an ass face <laughs> but it's made for acting so we're good it, but it's a photogenic ass face. Right, right. That's what it is. Um, so uh, what are you working on right now? Right now, um, let me get a little bit more light on this subject here. So I started making this movie last year called uh, The First Circle. Uh, we haven't finished it because the pandemic surges have put us on because of the infections. So looking forward to getting back to that. But that's sort of a, based on Dante's Inferno, it's about a group of people who don't know that they're trapped in hell. And the devil's, you know, mm. playing games with us. Uh, this one deals with, uh, well, each story deals with a separate sin going through the seven deadly sins. Okay. And wow. in this one, uh, I guess it's murder but uh, or greed. 
but uh you know we shot we finished shooting out our stuff with michael madsen and we still have to shoot some stuff with mike star i've shot most of my things i think i have two or three days but hopefully we get that out you know this 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 is a great little thriller horror movie where these kids are in hell and we're well, not kids but these people are in hell you as the audience know it but they do not i'd be interested to in watch what yeah, unfolds. Sounds- uh, it, nice. It's pretty. I know that I have a meeting actually with the director and one of the actors after this, and so uh, he sent some footage that I was supposed to send to the other actor, but he already changed the password. But I can tell you that the footage is incredible. It was. I was. I was quite nice. I don't usually say that about my stuff. Like I say, I work on it and then I try not to think about it. You know, since we're getting back to it, I guess I have to think about it again. The first circle right. is looking pretty good. Um, I'm really excited about it. You know, we also have Chris Browning plays my half older brother and Natasha Henstrich, who plays my uh, stepmom. And then uh, beyond that, you know, I think uh, I'm getting ready to not I think I'm getting ready in September to do a horror movie called The Inn about this sort of drifter serial killer who's been moving around Florida. And I'm like this uh, reporter who's been following him, tracking him. And in cool. the story, you know, he's been going to different inns and hotels and just murdering everybody. And so I'm cool. trying to track him down and catch him. And let's just say that, it, <laughs> you know, when they say, be careful what you wish for, very well, just maybe that situation. So what's your favorite genre? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Over the years, it's, um, I when I started off, I like, believe it or not, I like doing a lot of drama. But I love comedy. I love sci-fi. I love horror. I love thrillers. Uh, these days, you know, when you look at movies like Shaun of the Den, where it's a rom zomcom, you know, romantic zombie comedy. So they're taking the genres and starting to mix them up. And, you know, I, I find that, you know, I, I really do kind of enjoy mixing like, the genres too. Because then I get the fun of all, all the worlds, you know. Sometimes playing a straight drama can be taxing emotionally. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you can get. It can be to watch them too. Yeah, well, you know, certainly, like that's the great thing. It's like it's good for a watch. (laughs) It's good for a watch. I'll take those feelings with me for a long time. I don't need to see that again. (laughs) Some of them, some of them aren't even good for a watch. Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 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 referring to ours. (laughs) (laughs) We know sometimes you just you know you you you're just challenging, you know, I'm challenging myself, you know, so if I'm not working at something at the time and, you know, and that's an important, you know, distinction. It's like, maybe I don't totally love the script and I don't exactly get it, but I'm not working. And it's going to be my job as an actor to learn, to understand the script, to get that script and to perform it to a degree that, that it plays for everybody else. And those are the, to make it as good as you can make it. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what makes me a better actor. You know, so when you do get something, this is Randy Quaid. So this is when I realized what Randy Quaid was telling me was true wisdom. Because you're going to get, you don't have a choice on some of the jobs you get. You choose to work or you don't work unless you're Johnny Depp or, again, now now that the case course is not, you know, but I mean, you have to be in a certain position to be able to pick and choose those roles. So then it's like, well, you need to be able to get what role they're going to offer you. And like you said, be great at it. So you get offered mm-hmm. more roles. Right. And then you get that role that you love, and then there's there's your chance to shine. Because if you work really hard on the other ones, you're going to work hard on the one that you love. And so keeping that kind of idea in mind or that practice, which is 
really what I learned Randy Quaid on Independence Day is mm-hmm. why I started doing different genres and crossing over. And, you know, it was maybe I haven't I did a romantic couple romantic leads. I haven't watched them because I'm a little embarrassed by it. I don't know if I love doing that, you know, but at the same time it was an interesting challenge, something to try to do. Like I wonder what this is gonna be like. I wonder how this is gonna play out. Yeah, stick yeah. with the horror, you're better at it. Yeah, I don't know if this is my cup of tea. Yeah, I don't know if this is Jimmy's cup of tea. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm surprised. There's a, there's a ton of people watching. We're on, you know, 17 platforms right now. So, uh, yeah, hey, everybody. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. I mean, it, you know. to be talking with you or to have anyone tune in on, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very, very taken back and surprised, you know, you know, thinking about it. I did this movie called Stockholm, you know, some years back about Stockholm syndrome ended up being mm-hmm. retailed, uh, the abduction of Jennifer Grayson. Basically I play a killer yes. who kidnaps women. And if they don't fall in love with me, well, then they know what's coming. Yep. So you better a fall plastic in love. Bag and, <laughs> plastic bag and duct tape. No, what's interesting is, yeah, without spoiling the movie, I will say that after, you know, I, I play this possessive kidnap women is that I've had a few responses of like, oh, I really love that character you play. <laughs> it kind of goes on that side of like, you guys, that's just a like, whoa, this, these messages are, you know, I've got to say I'm actually very flattered, but I'm a little taken back. Right. I didn't expect that. You know, do, does that mean you want me to kidnap you and keep you in my house? I, I, I don't know if I can cross that line. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't, we, we've got about 10 minutes left before we have to let, James go because Leo does have another show tonight. I um, do. I do. Uh, <coughs> but, uh, before we do, I wanted to make sure that uh, we brought up uh, Nightshade. I was just, just going to do that. Nightshade. That's a, a movie I did recently that just came out in January that I'm really proud of. I play a supporting role of a police officer. Um, I won't say much more than that, but it's basically a psychological thriller uh, looking for supernatural serial killer, and it stars Lou Ferrigno Jr. Jay Britt uh, also has Dina Meyer and um, oh god he's such uh, a so uh, actor, right? Dina Meyer from Starship Troopers uh, Jason Patrick from the Jason Losers. Patrick that who I yeah. like I remember I was I never even spoke to him because I was so starstruck on set it was just like there's Jason Patrick I like held the grips set up the lighting for the rain scenes just so I could be on set when he was there to watch him work and uh, also Tim Russ from Star Trek. Tim Russ, yeah. You know, so Tim Russ directed me in a movie a few years back called Junkie. And Tim Russ is, he, I loved him. I, I couldn't say the best, like, I couldn't say enough great things about him as a director and as an actor. To watch him walk onto the set of Nightshade and have this massive scene where he just walks in. And because, you know, he's, he's been doing this for a long time. So he comes in in a scene that most actors would find quite daunting. He basically takes control of the entire room and nails it out in three or four scenes, <laughs> giving everyone a, a big lesson on how to make shoot and make and shoot movies for the afternoon. It was really quite impressive to watch for you know a, a formidable crew, to be quite honest. You know, and that that's out now. You said right? That's out now. That movie. Yes. And then um, I have a few other movies that came out right after. So one that I star in that's out right now that we just won best. Uh, uh, what the fuck movie is this even of the year award from Film Threat, uh, which I'm very proud of. It's the original movie of the year. Uh, it's called I Challenger, 
And I play this sort of 40 year old gamer stoner who is looking for direction and uh, luck in his life. So until he finds out he's selling a uh, weed to underage kids who can't get it from the, <laughs> from the dispensaries. <laughs> and um, <laughs> to start uh, a wonderful Coy Stewart, Margaret Cho, Jerry Bednob, and nice. um, uh, Tina Majorino. And uh, let's just say that I find, they helped me discover the best way to find my luck, which for some reason I believe is by burying myself underground for 24 hours and live streaming it. And let's just say that I do bury myself underground for 24 hours. I do live stream it, but it does not go the way I expected. And we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> nice. Now, uh, so are, are you people, they'll really love it because you're going to yeah. freak out. <laughs> yeah, Ben, you're muted. And then, um, yeah, and then I have uh, Martin Landau, one of his last movies before he passed away, is a movie called Without Ward. And I actually play, if you can believe it or not, I play a 60 year old father. But because set in the future, I'm on this great health plan. So I actually look like I'm 30, 35. Oh, you um, want to hook me up with that? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, a drug, uh, it's a drug that Martin Landau created called, uh, oh, I can't even remember the name of the drug now. But quite, quite an interesting movie in the sense, uh, set in the near future. Uh, when you inter when we introduce our characters, it's two years into a house arrest where half the world's population has been put into quarantine. And we're cutting into them dealing with the quarantine and what's it going to take for people to get out of this quarantine? What's the quarantine doing to these people? And that's that sci-fi weird fantasy without word. Right. So, you know, um, I've, been, I've been fortunate enough to kind of just keep, keep busy. And, oh, yeah, and I guess I have this other kind of like uh, horror comedy movie we did called Amityville Karen. And Amityville, Amityville, I just Alpha. love that name, Amityville Karen. Oh, yeah. Come on, Karen. Yeah, how can I say? How can I say no to that? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I gotta have to take a look. <laughs> just out of curiosity. Oh, they're paying my rate. Okay, there I am. I, I am definitely a whore. <laughs> I am a proud whore. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so uh. You know, I mean, I, you know, at this point, you know, I, I mean, as an actor doing the crazy things I've done and living in this business, it's almost like I've got no shame. You know, it's like I told the casting director, like, look, they're like, so what kind of type are you? Like, you're a heroic type or are you the dirty type? I'm like, I'm like the STD type, you know, like, uh, like uh, <laughs> when you got rid of me, you realize you I'm back and you got me for life like luggage. I'm not going anywhere. So if you don't give me a job now, <laughs> just know that I'm growing right outside of your office and you're never going to get rid of me. <laughs> so for lack of a better phrase, I mean, I put lost jobs, honestly, saying that a few times. But, you know, I have no shame. I'm, you know, I'm not, and I'm just being honest. <laughs> well, you know, the, you, you know, the best way to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're worth, you know what you can yeah. do. You know, yeah. No so, harm, no foul. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy, I'm a happy, easy go lucky guy. Uh, during the show, we had a ton of comments coming in, uh, but uh, there was uh, only one question. Shockingly, uh, huh. Pops wanted to know: uh, Do you like comic books? I love comic books. Love comic books. What's strange uh, because Pops. from the age of, of Star Wars, when we were kids, it was the Star Wars comic books that got me into comics. Going up to the store. Like, oh, they don't have Star Wars comic books. Oh, but here's Spider-Man. Oh, so here's the Avengers. Here's Incredible Hulk. Wow, it's only 
late. I mean, now I'm going to age myself. It's only 25 cents. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> only 10 cents. I, you know? How could you I not buy a dime, yep. I could buy two candy bars for 50 cents and buy five comic books. And that's a right. dollar. Yeah. Right. And so that was, I mean, it's just not like that anymore. I mean, obviously. No, no. Now it's 20 bucks for a comic book and three candy bars. Yeah, yeah, twenty bucks for three candy bars, <laughs> <laughs> and those aren't even the king size. Candy bars if you're at the movie theater, right? Uh, is there uh, anything you uh, you stay up to date on, or is uh, you just like reading the old stuff, or uh... um, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if I'm. It's hard to kind of keep up to date on stuff for me. Sometimes I think because by the time, you know, like I say, I, I, I take work whenever I get it. So I just haven't finished shooting another movie two weeks ago. So for the month that I'm not shooting, you know, I just lose touch of everything. And it's always sort of come back and play catch up. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to send you a good stoner comic. Oh, did he freeze up on us again? Well, you, you know, you become no, kind of, you, you the idea of like, it's the same thing. So especially living in Los for two months and I come back the friends that I had and the places that they used to go and do in two months might not be the same six days later it goes through this architectural society communal facelift every couple months here in Hollywood it's very it's always been very bizarre like that you know as to where I'm a creature of habit you know to some degree it's like one of the bars that I used to go to the only reason I have not going is because it closed down during the pandemic but otherwise I've been going there since the 90s on and on just a creature right. of habit mm -hmm. I like that nice <laughs> hole in the wall. It's not crowded. I can get a cheap drink. I can enjoy a drink in peace or I can have conversations with my friends and it's not crazy and it's not, you know, uh, I think uh, overwhelming would be the word because going out right. in Hollywood right, very, right. very quickly. Right, right. So, yeah, is, is there any weekend warriors? <laughs> Any last uh, questions from you two clowns? Uh, yeah, I got one. Uh, what is Hatha Yoga? Hatha Yoga is, uh, that's a good question. So yoga has a, a bunch of different types of forms of practice. Believe it or not, yoga just, the definition of yoga is just to join together. Means like, so if you're washing the dishes and thinking, I'm picking up this dish with the right hand and I'm washing it with the left and I'm rolling my shoulders back so they're One's not going more than the other. So what you're thinking about doing physically is yoga. That's by combining your physical, like what you're moving and what you're thinking. Hatha yoga is by is just means balance of opposite. So what you're doing is you're going to, if you do something on the left side, do it on the right side. If you're going to work out on the upper body, work out on the lower body. So okay. To keep the body in balance. So especially, you know, I hate to say, so for us, when we start getting older, those things like sitting up straight, not leaning on the side makes all <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I just did to the whole show. Like I'm in lounge. You gentlemen know what I'm talking about. And so yeah. it, it becomes something where you're very conscious because it happened probably in my late 20s and early 30s that my back got so bad that I was debilitated from working, auditioning, probably for a good six or nine months. And then, yeah, and I went to this chiropractor and it wasn't really helping. And I switched chiropractors. And this other chiropractor started doing acupuncture and giving me the stretches. And she's the one who actually started getting me to go to yoga. And when I went, I hated it. Like the one I did, it's not hot, but it's very, it's like handstands and push-ups. So 
The first time I did it, I threw up afterwards. I'm not kidding. And I was like, that's fucking horrible. I'll never do that. And that felt like someone just kicked the shit out of me, then pissed all over me, and then kicked me overboard. And that's exactly <laughs> what I felt after my right. first yoga class. I'm not going to lie. But after that, and I couldn't do half of it. For some reason, I kept going back. And within a few months, I could do the whole class. Then within six months, I was in the best shape of my life. And then within a year, I was pushing into handstand and I was in better shape than I ever thought I could ever be. Wow. And so I naturally continued it. But it was really. I was, I was curious. I mean, because I tried yoga once, pinched a nerve yeah. in my neck, and I was no good for six months. Yeah. You know, well, like I said, there's a lot of different types of yoga. There's a, more than half I wouldn't recommend myself. But right. I try not to be like, oh, this is good and that's not good because it depends on the person. Yeah, right. you know, and I'll say before I went to that yoga now that I still go to now, I went to other places and the same thing. I went and did it and I was like, I'll never do that again. And I didn't do it. And it only was, it, it was because I was so debilitated and the chiropractor was like, you need to do this. I was like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do if it gets rid of this. And right. it helped. Nice. Okay. But good to know. It was because I did it once and I've never done it again. Yeah, it's it's um yeah, it might it might it might have been the type that you did, you know, but like I said, oh, obviously type, it was the wrong type. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, the type that I did, I threw up and it was it was brutal. It was brutal. But uh okay. for know. some reason I kept going back and then I it just it, it became so beneficial that I became a teacher after a couple of years. So this is back in 2000. So I started teaching in 2002. I can't do it now because I'm too busy. But I'm still, I just practiced. I was doing a class yesterday. So I still do it. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. I wanted Leo? to ask that because I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Leo, you got any last questions for our awesome guests before we close the show out? Well, uh, last thing, you know, I, I like to ask everybody is uh, I know we mentioned comics, but what do you dork out about? Like, uh, are you a gamer? You said you, you like the Marvel movies. Uh, you know, what is there something that you dark, uh, dork out about? Like, uh, I you know, we about ask... pretty much everything. It depends on what it is at the time. Like right now, it's I'm not going to lie. I've been sort of dorking out on the fact that all these shows that I'm loving are coming out at the same time, like The Boys, Stranger oh. Things, uh God, I know I'm missing a couple others right now, but there's a couple shows that I was so hooked on and so geeked out over that, you know, it's the kind of thing where you watch it over and over and you're inspired and you reenact it. And those things that made me want to become an actor when we used to reenact Breakfast Club. Very cool. Very cool. You oh, mentioned. Yeah. I mean, you're my doobage. You mentioned Stranger Things. Have you caught up on the new episodes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was just, you know, I know some people are like, oh, it was long. It was a no. It was freaking great. I geeked out hard. Like, I can't oh, believe so how I. hard I geeked out on it. So, we're gonna let... boys. I don't know right, if you guys right, watched right. Boys or finished The Boys. The Boys no. is amazing. Oh, my God. I haven't, I haven't... so good. No. Like you, I don't you have know, time to. Ooh, they they just cross so many lines. You can't believe they're showing that on television. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it... <laughs> I just watched this on TV. Oh my god, friggin' hero gasm! Holy, that's exactly shit. what I'm talking about yeah. is hero gasm. Woo! It's it, it, it's uh, <laughs> I don't, we must meeting. be missing something. I haven't seen oh yet. my god, it, it, it's a whole mess of uh, uh, like D list superheroes, superhero, uh, superhero, uh, orgy. orgy. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, it, it's, see what happened? Like, they got to have fun too. It's like my friend yeah. said, you know, my friend were in a bar and my friend had like piercings. This is in the early 90s and long dress. And this girl's like, you're creepy. And he looks at her and smiles he's like, hey, creepy things need loving too. <laughs> I mean, who can argue with that i can't argue with that that became right. my, sort of my mantra hey creepy things need love you you're creepy that creepy things need love too <laughs> it's only fair right I wonder why we're so creepy maybe if you gave us a little bit more love we'd be a little less creepy right <laughs> perfect point right there folks that's a perfect point right there <laughs> Oh man! Nice. Oh, gosh, I, I wish I could stay live. I, I could stay on this call with you, gentlemen, forever. Right? Well, uh, we we will wrap things up. Uh, so uh, I want to make sure everybody knows uh, Houston Horror Film Festival going on July twenty second through the twenty fourth. You can find James there. He's going to be doing a photo op in costume. Uh, a lot of awesome people are going to be there. For, uh, but just uh, Google Houston Horror Film Festival. And uh, so uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You'll find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run a little <laughs> thing called the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got about 40 shows on the network. Ton of awesome people doing a ton of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com for all the latest shows there. And James, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Um, I promise I will get better on it. I, I'm on Instagram under Real James Duval, and I've been really bad at returning messages. Uh, I'll be honest, part of that is because you guys are so sweet and you say such nice things, and I don't know how to respond sometimes, and it's overwhelming. But you can reach you. That is me, and you can find me on Instagram under Real James Duval and on Twitter under Real James Duval, although I use Instagram more. And I promise that all these projects that I'm telling everybody about, I will post about um, in the comments. Awesome. I, I should say that we. I, I have a friend here who wanted to say hello to everybody before we all go, so... Uh, Everyone say hi to my, uh, just me and my shadow back here. Oh, nice. Nice. That's awesome. Well, he, he wants to send his best to everybody out there. Perfect, perfect. And I have all the links uh, for James and the show notes up above or down below if you missed it. Uh, Jeffrey. That was great. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Um, <laughs> that, no, I had a ball. That was so much fun. Uh, as far as us, uh, just go to stilltoken.com. You'll find everything you need to know. Uh, all our Facebook, Instagram, and all our social media links are right there as well. That way I don't have to fucking remember them. It's because you can't. I'm the old dude. I can't remember that kind <laughs> of shit. I can remember still token. Yeah. With. Just put dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't even know, Leo. I don't even know, you know. So, um, no, I want to thank James for coming out, uh, hanging out with us tonight. Just, uh, James, stick around for two seconds when he closes out the show um, real quick. And, uh, yeah, to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. We're out of here. Bye.